you found Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, let me invite you to stand. I'm going to read the remainder of this chapter, although we're only going to focus on the first uh, few verses, six or seven verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to verse 32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, as the Apostle Paul continues to write, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous. They have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that as we encounter it this morning, as it encounters us this morning, that you would help us to put to death the old self, that you may bring to life the new person you have created in us. Thank you for Christ, his death and his resurrection, and the hope of eternal life that we have in him. Guide our hearts and our thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Let me offer a quick review of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. It's important because not a single passage of Scripture, not a single word of Scripture is written in a vacuum. We need to remember and understand the context to really understand what God is saying. So Paul begins, he opens this letter by calling himself an apostle and his readers saints. He says this is a word from God through a messenger of God to the people of God. And then he breaks out into praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in Christ before the foundation 
of the world. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. He set us in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And He forgave our sin in Christ's death. The shedding of His blood. And He opened our blinded eyes to the mystery of the wisdom of God's grace. And then He sealed us in the Holy Spirit. He eternally sealed us as His until the day of redemption. Paul continues to worship in chapter 1 by praying for his readers to fully grasp the wisdom of God, to fully grasp the hope of God, and to fully grasp the power of God. And then he starts in chapter 2 with the words, You were dead. You were dead. You were filled with the lust of your eyes. You followed, indeed, you worshiped the devil. You were dead. Dead, dead. Dead, dead, dead. Not sick, not troubled, not in need of repair or remodeling. He says, you were dead. And then he says, but God. But God. By his mercy. By his love, by his grace. But God. Made you alive in Christ. We are no longer children of wrath. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And then Paul moves into his longest exhortation on the unity of church. The unity of church unified in Christ with the walls of separation are broken down as Christ preached peace to those who were separated and alienated and strangers and brought them, brought us near to the cross of Christ and made us fellow citizens, members of the household of God. The mystery of the gospel of Christ now revealed to Jews and Gentiles is the message that strengthens, Paul says, our inner being, develops deep roots grounded in love so that our hearts would know the unknowable love of Christ and the fullness of God who is able to do more, far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power and work within us to Him be the glory in the church through Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Paul says, Amen. And then Paul opens chapter 4. Building on the foundation of Christ. Building on the foundation of salvation and unity in His name alone. Paul says to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Our calling to one body in one spirit. For one hope in one Lord. By one faith in one baptism. Displaying our love for one God and Father of all. Subjecting ourselves to the equipping of the church led by the elders, guided by the Holy Spirit, that we, the church, would be unified in faith, established in true doctrine, no longer children, but mature in Christ, every part working together to build the body of Christ in love. 
And then we come to what we call chapter 4, verse 17. This verse and following, Paul gets very specific on how this is accomplished. As I said, I'm just going to focus on verses 17 to 24 today. And I really just want to draw out two points. They are points of contrast that are found in verses 22 and 24. The old self and the new self. The old self and the new self. But the key verse, the key verse I want to repeat several times this morning, and the key verse that I want to penetrate into our hearts is at the end of verse 21, where Paul says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now friends understand. Paul is not asking the Ephesian church. He's not asking you and me to question our salvation. Paul is writing from the assumption. He is assuming that he is talking to Christians. Remember he said to the saints who are at Ephesus. He's assuming that he is talking to Christians. And if we don't understand what he's saying. Or if we're warring in our hearts against what he's saying. Or if we're warring, warring in the church about what he is saying. Then perhaps we need to revisit the truth that is in Jesus. In many ways this message is not for lost people. Lost people act like lost people. Lost people do not need our Christian morals. They need Christ. So friends, if you're not a Christian, in many ways, this is going to be futile. Because beloved, we cannot live like a Christian if you are not a Christian. But if you are a Christian, then this, this teaching it penetrates our hearts like arrows from the Holy Spirit. Everything else in this chapter is written in contrast. Paul says, don't do this, do this. Don't be this, be this. Don't live like this, live like this. The foundation of those contrasts is verses 22 to 24. Where Paul says, put off the old self. Put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. The old self. Remember Paul's description of the old self. It's dead. Dead in sin. Following the course of the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It is pursuing the passions of the flesh. It is pursuing the desires of the body. The old self is separated, alienated, and strangers to God in Christ. Beloved, remember the new self. At verse 24. That's created after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. 
Holiness is the word I want to focus on this morning because, beloved, we as Christians, we in the church have aborted holiness as the hope of the Christian life. We've discounted it. We've moved holiness away. Yet that is the one thing. That is what we are called to. We are called as followers of Christ to holiness. Mark chapter 6, verse 20, speaking of John the Baptist, says he is a righteous and holy man. Paul exhorts us in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 says, Of Christ, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you, the church, holy and blameless, above all, above reproach, before him. And Paul in First and Second Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. Holiness is lost. It's a lost goal in churches today. Yet this is exactly what Paul calls us to. He says, put on holiness. Put on the new man. He starts, as I said, by commanding that we put off the old self. Put off the old self to no longer walk as the Gentiles do in futility of their mind. Don't walk as the Gentiles do. They walk in unholiness. And look at the descriptors that Paul uses there. Darkened understanding. We see the world before we see God. Alienated from God. Strangers to His will. Strangers to His way. Strangers to His word. Strangers to His Son. He says ignorant of God. We celebrate living in our lives without God. Callous. Callous. Thick skinned and thick hearted. No one can speak the truth to us without our getting angry and then either fighting back or running away. He says they are sensual. The joy of our flesh takes over the world, takes over in the world of entertainment or sexual deviancy. Then he says we are greedy for impurity. Not just greedy. But greedy for impurity. Not just an unhealthy consumerism, but we long for sin to reign in our lives. Paul says, Beloved, this is not Christ. This is not, verse 20, what you learn in Christ. So we ask the question, how do we strive to put off the old self and put on the new self. How do we put off the old self. And put on the new self. Paul answers this in Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provisions for the flesh. To gratify its desires. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 9, God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Paul says, not because of our works, but because of His purpose of grace. I know this passage tells us to do a lot of stuff. And it tells us to stop doing a lot of other stuff. But ultimately, holiness comes in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. A passage we read together just a few moments ago. By grace, we are saved through faith. This is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, and He is working to make us holy, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. Salvation comes from God. All of it. Salvation comes from God through Christ. New regeneration, new life, new birth comes from God. Justification, the declaration of our right standing before God comes from Him. Adoption, God's eternal election of us as His children in Christ. And ultimately, glorification. That moment when we will step out of this world and we are taken to Him to live with Him in heaven forever and ever and ever. Salvation is a work of God and so is sanctification. And that's what Paul's talking about here. We are sanctified. That simply means made holy. That simply means we are made to look like Christ. In Christ. We put on the new self. And we put off the old self. By the continual working of the Holy Spirit. Assuming, Paul says. Assuming you have heard about Him. And were taught in Him. Because Jesus is the truth. Assuming we've been born again. So back to the question. How do we put off the old self? How do we put off the new self? I think it starts with a proper understanding of repentance. Repentance too often is seen as a decision we make one day at church service or revival service. But repentance is a lifelong lifestyle. I'll be honest with you folks. If you've not repented yet today, you need to. I don't know of what, but you need to. We need to. As one author I read this week stated, repentance is not walking down an aisle, but it's carrying a cross. It's taking up your cross and following Him. Jesus says in Luke 13, chapter, chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And if that's not enough, two verses later, He says the exact same thing. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is surrender. It is putting sin to death. Hear that again. It is putting to death the dead life you once lived. 
Repentance is putting to death sin. You say that's hard. Put it to death. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. The old self is about living and its passions uh, is in the passions of the flesh. It's about living out the desires of our heart. It's about making us happy. So yes, the old self is fun. It's hard to put it to death. We can identify any way we want to in the old self. We can change our gender if we want to. We can get angry if we want to. We can commit our lives to the futility and the triviality if we want to. We can have sex with whoever we want to. We can be whatever we want to be. My passions, my flesh, my desire, my body, my mind, my life. Don't judge. Paul says of that life, repent of it. Kill it. Kill it and kill it dead. You think that abrasive. Paul says to the Colossians, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? And in case we don't understand the definition of the word dead, it means to make it continually dead. Romans 8, 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death there means to actively make dead. To actively make it to render it extinct. Galatians 5.24 Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desire. Crucify means to utterly, completely, totally, absolutely destroy its power. Put it to death. When Paul says put off the old self, the implication is that you were dead in sin. Now, through repentance and faith, we make sin dead in us. <clears throat> the work of the Holy Spirit, as we are made alive in Christ, empowers us to put off the old self, to put to death the old self, so that... We can be made new. Put on the new self, Paul says in verse 24. No more darkened understanding because Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says the eyes of our heart are enlightened. No more hardness of heart because Ephesians 3.16 says we have been strengthened with power through His Spirit in our inner man. No more callousness because Ephesians 3.17 says He has given us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. This is what we've learned in Christ. This is what we've learned in Him. To love our neighbor and our enemy. To serve one another. To see every image bearer as one who Christ died for and rose for and is in need of the gospel. This is what we've learned in Christ. To be equipped for every good work. Working together like a body fit and joined perfectly. Growing in grace. Growing in truth. Not tossed to and fro about by winds of doctrine. But unified and stabilized in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Speaking the truth 
and love is the mark of holiness. This is the new life. Renewed every day. Renewed through repentance. Renewed through faith. Renewed through the Word of God. Renewed through communion. Renewed through prayer. Renewed through worship. Renewed through fellowship. Renewed through discipleship. Renewed through correction and training. Renewed in the spirit of our minds to the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. I'll just remind us that Jesus said in John chapter 15. I am the true vine. Abide in me and I in you. He it is that bears much fruit. The new self is our conforming through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the disciple-making work of the church. It's our transforming into the new self, being conformed to the image of Christ and bearing much fruit. Assuming, Paul says, that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Jesus Christ. I pray today that you are a Christian. I pray today that you know him. And as such, our goal is holiness. It's Christ-likeness. It's to imitate God in everything. It is to put on Christ. But if you are lost today, beloved, you can practice every Christian moral in the Bible. And you will never find holiness because you don't know Jesus. Speaking the truth in love, friends, as best I can. Holiness, if you are lost, is not your destination. Hell is. You're a child of wrath. Destruction is your end. Eternal destruction. <clears throat> You don't have to believe me. That's okay with me. But the Bible proclaims hell as truth. And so I warn us today, not from my opinion, but from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus again. Verse 31 and following. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he sits on his glorious throne, before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left, and the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared before you 
before the foundation of the world. And then verse 41, same chapter, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for, for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were all judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the fire, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I urge you this morning, I beg you this morning, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus died so that you could put off the old self and the eternal condemnation that it will suffer. He died to forgive our sin and his resurrection is the newness of life that Paul calls us to put on. Repent. Repent today. Don't come shake a hand or pray a prayer. Take up your cross and follow Him. And beloved believer, if you have stumbled with your cross and you are drifting back to the old self, kill it again. Kill it today. Kill it tomorrow. Kill it every single day for the rest of your life life. Put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed, Paul says in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I pray today that we know him. I pray today that every day we are putting off the old self and putting on the new self. I close this morning by reading and praying through the first seven verses of Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Listen, I urge us, meditate, pray on these words. Ask God, God to examine your hearts. Ask God to put on the new self. Psalm 37. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herbs. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart.
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Father, this morning I pray that you would turn our eyes to you. That we would, as Isaiah did, see you high lifted up. And in the beauty and majesty and wonder of your glory, we would fall on our face as he did and say, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I reside among a people of unclean lips. See that picture of repentance. Father, I pray that we would trust in you. I pray that we would delight in you. I pray as we continue to do that, we continue to put off the old self, the old self of a darkened understanding, the old self of, of a callous heart, the old self of, we'll see next week, of, of filthy language, of, of anger, of of lies, that we would put those things off and continually put on Christ, that He may live in us individually, but in us as your body, that we would abide in the true vine, and you would make us righteous and holy before you. I pray, Father, for the one who is lost. I pray, Father, for the one who is lost, who is a church member, who is a church leader. I pray for the one who is lost, who has been here her whole life or his whole life. And it has never come to a place of repentance and putting off the old self, killing the sin that so easily ensnares us. I would pray you would draw them, as the proverb says, with cords of love. That they would see your face, that they would repent and believe. You would renew their spirit, baptize them to walk in a newness of life. Father, I pray for us who are believers. I pray because every day we stumble as we carry your cross. Every day we struggle with the weight of following you. Every day we face trials and we face temptations. We face persecution. Every day we face this world. And it is so easy for us to just lay the cross down, put on the old self, and attack this world. I would pray, Father, you would strengthen our inner man. You would strengthen our inner person in such a way that we recognize the one thing we have to battle this world is the cross you have called us to carry. 
and we would humble ourselves before you. We would seek your face, the delight in you, that we would pray, that we would consume your word, and that you would transform us to the image of your Son. You would make disciples who make disciples and sanctify us in the Holy Spirit. Empower your people. Walk with us. We trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name.